Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. today's show. Today is the 28th of January. It's 2021. It is going to be a huge rainstorm today here. I guess we were supposed to have it like later yesterday, early this morning. And it's just like sitting north of us pouring rain. It's just not even moving. So once it gets here, it may not move. And as one storm. It's like this record breaker already. So let's see how Southern California fares out on that one. So today I have two dreams. I'm going to start with this dream. It's it's I, I, People may not remember this person, but I'll read it and then whatever's missing, I'll try to fill you in. But good morning, Nadia. Hope you are well. I had a dream with Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, days after watching a documentary about him. He was a serial killer in Los Angeles in the 80s when I was a kid. The documentary was so disturbing, I couldn't get it off my mind. In my dream, I was at, I was at a school campus on a sunny afternoon. I was walking with a couple of children, and I knew Richard Ramirez was waiting to meet us. I was a bit scared, but met him anyway. He was clean and wearing a yellow shirt with light blue jeans. We did not talk. He just walked next to us. He suddenly walked away to a door, and I followed him to make sure he would not hurt anyone, but he came back and continued walking with us. That's all I remember from the dream. Richard Ramirez died in prison of an illness. Was that a visitation? Because it felt so real. Oh, my gosh, when you watch, because I moved here the year, it was 1985, 86-ish, right in there, that Richard Ramirez began um, walking into people's homes whose doors were, like, just already open. Well, he, he never really broke into a home, but, like, if you slept with your sliding glass door open or a window open or whatever you had, that was kind of how he got in, very quietly, and he tortured and hurt his victims. He, with, If couples were around, he would make the husband, you know, witness what he did. It was just awful, awful, unconscionable stuff. However, he himself did not possess a conscience. He would, you know, turn around and eat from their fridge once 
he was done doing whatever he needed to do. This is the man she's talking about. There was a lot more to him, but I even lived on a third floor of an apartment building at the time, and I still thought he could crawl up and get in from there. That's how how deep, deeply disturbing this this man was. And I'm not sure if he really died or if you're just saying that he died in prison of an illness. Um, he had women following him. You know how women do that with certain prisoners. But the way he really got caught was they had publicized these murders so much on television that he was walking in a neighborhood, and I think it was in East L.A., and people recognized him and tackled him and called the police, and that's how he ended up getting caught. The police themselves did not catch him, but the people did. So that's some background to this dream. But when you watch a dream like this, it is very real because you absorb the shock, the energy, the fear, and you're right, it, it was so disturbing. It was disturbing in real life because I'm, I'm a little older than you are, maybe a lot, I think. But um, it was so disturbing even at the time that it, it got into my own psyche at the time. And I was, you know, in one way grateful I lived where I lived and, at, you know, on a third floor of an apartment or um, I was still thinking there must be a way because he seemed so animalistic. You almost felt he could just climb like like that. And what this dream is telling you is that you have confidence in yourself to handle adversity and fear. Because he just, in your dream, he represents that fear. A documentary will leave you not only disturbed, but the fact that you can hear and see what a human being is capable of doing to other people has to be one of the most worst disturbing things you could ever take in. We can take a car crash, a plane crash. We could take that because that's something that happens to us. But us to us will will shake our core that there is no end to somebody who can who can be that evil, that detached, that broken, that they could do that to other people and it doesn't bother them that they have hands on someone, that they are inflicting pain, that they are hurting to that level. They don't even see it as that because for them it is like, I don't want to say pleasurable in a good way, but they are fulfilling some pain. They are exhibiting and, and letting it show because no one can do that without having been brought to an animalistic point of survival in their mind. But in here, you are responding to just plain old fear, like, hey, I'll look fear in the face. I'll let it walk next to me. I'll I'll watch it. I won't let it hurt anyone because I already know I'm not going to let it hurt me. I'm not going to let it hurt me. So I can protect other people. 
And what it represented in your dream is it took your worst fear, like the worst thing you could think of, literally. And you're saying to yourself, I can handle this. As disturbed as you were, you knew that there, you have the mechanisms to face whatever it is that comes your way. The fact that he was waiting to meet you and you still went says, hey, if there's a red flag and you already know, you don't even need to go that far. Part of it was it was a sunny afternoon. It feels a little safer. But he just represents fear and very disturbing issues. And you're saying no matter how bad something is, I can face it. It's something to think about within yourself. And it might feel like that visitation, because you pick up so much of that person's angst and hurt and pain and illness and evilness and all of that mixed into one, that you feel like you you know someone because you've learned more about them than they probably actually know about themselves in that documentary because they may know the mean self. They may know the self that was able to carry out the things that they were able to carry out. They may know that already, but the psychological why they may never understand. It takes a lot to have a conscience that has broken to that level. Some people come out with greater compassion and some people come out with any way they can to hurt others. And I I still remember this. But it it wasn't really a visitation from him to you. Um, I am sure a lot of people who watch this, I, I can't watch this stuff anymore. Not because I don't want to face pain or whatever. It's that... It it hurts. It's painful for me to hear what has happened to people to that level. I used to be able to watch those. And maybe now if there's something that comes up of something I haven't heard too much about. But I used to be one of those people who loved to watch like Dateline because or 2020 or all those 48 hours, all those shows that you know, outline the line in the mind of a criminal. But by now I've seen so many of them that at times they may be things I witnessed like you witnessed Richard Ramirez. And you find out even more. And then you realize from the news that you heard how much more was going on behind it. But for some reason, you know, now unless I've run across it by accident, it's it's just become redundant in, in a sad way, and then everyone has their own difference in another way. But that their life was here, and this is what has happened with their life and how they've affected life and how they've affected other lives is really a, a, like a menacing, very sadness 
in me, and it makes me look at the world different, and I don't want to look at the world that way. And so I made that choice. Because as disturbing as these people are, matches the disturbing feeling that you felt where you internalized it so deeply that it came out with you saying, hey, but I'll face this. And in your dream, you knew who he was because of it. It just made me learn all of these shows, all of these repetitions of how people were in that vulnerable position has made me very security conscious of where I live, um, how I take care of my home. It made me very conscious of telling my kids, hey, you know what, people need to earn your trust. If you don't know someone, you don't say, okay, I'll go there. Okay, I'll do that. Or if they ask you to roll the window down to your car, once you're in your car and your car is locked, you just never do that. Who the heck would walk up to your window to ask you to roll it down? or ask you for a jump, or ask you for help? Why you? Why did they come to you? Ask them to go get help somewhere else that you have to go. Not that you don't want to help people, but these things have happened to me. And I saw in the rear, you know, the rearview mirror, I saw a, a kid, they were probably about 17 years old, peak from the back of the other car to see if I opened my door yet or my window. And when I asked the guy to go get help from somewhere else because they said they needed a jump, I asked them to go and ask someone else. And I was willing to run over him if he tried to fight my car or fight me. I wasn't even in my car for a minute. My daughter, who was two years old at the time, was in the back seat. They didn't know I had a child with me because we had the tinted windows on the back seat. And that day, I had an instinct. I was at the cash register. I was buying a glass tabletop. And I thought, how can I carry the baby and that tabletop? I asked the man that worked there to walk with me to the car just to put it in my trunk for me, which he did. In the meantime, I got in the car and locked the door. No sooner was that guy gone was the other guy at my window, and there was a van between me and him, so no one could see him there. My husband was away on a trip, so if anything happened to us that day, no one would have known for three days. I didn't think of all that then, but I had that instinct to say, wait, why am I carrying this? Why doesn't this man carry it for me? And you did that in your dream. You knew something was wrong already. You went and you faced it, and you made it to the other side of it. Will it stop him from doing it to someone else? Will it? You can't control that. But your own awareness, your own instinct, your own way of thinking told you that you can face this, that you can face it. You will face anything because you trust yourself there. 
you trust yourself. And this dream showed you how far your trust goes. That you can not only protect yourself, but you feel that you've got it for your family, for the people around you, that you have that that instinct that you can hear and listen to. Wow, did you sure drum up some of the past of Southern California? I really did forget about him, and I know you're not in chat, but I, I don't know, did he really die in prison? I, 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 you know, wow. Okay, so we have another dream. Please, on the radio show, I would like to remain anonymous. Good morning, Nadia. Please, if there is time. My husband had a dream of which he only remembers the last moment. Please allow me to give you a little update first. And so this is the update of the dream. Since last August, he is in constant spinal pain. But because of the pandemic, there are delays in, the, in all medical appointments, even in the private sector. He is in terrible discomfort, plus huge stress, coping the best way he can. He dreamed he was driving a convertible car, gold color, very, very happy. End of dream. Thank you always, Nadia, for your love and your time. Well, I will tell you. Um, oh, I'm seeing in the chat some comments. I guess Ali's saying street smart is very good information to know. It is. Knowing that this stuff happens, not walking around like nothing can, but being aware of our surroundings and trusting that feeling when we get that off feeling like something's off because we can we can pick up energy. We all can. It's not like this woo-woo spiritual thing. We all can pick up energy. We all do pick up energy. And the more we listen to it, the more we understand what a great compass we have inside of us. And I'm going to segue to this dream from that. That compass that we have, even though your husband is in pain, even though he cannot get medical care, and right now he's not feeling like this is forever. And that's probably one of the biggest signs of healing that you will ever have is to really see in your mind's eye that you're going to be better. This isn't forever. A lot of times we succumb to illness, like, oh, my God, I have this now. And we, we bring it in and we coddle it and we take care of it and we get recognition for it. And all these things start to happen around the illness. The illness becomes us and we all work for it. But your husband, in his dream, is saying, oh, no way. I'm going to have a life after this. I'm going to have my life back. I'm, in a way, happy now, just that my happiness is kind of hijacked with my pain. But that's all I'm looking at it as, is it being hijacked. Not that that's what it is. Yeah, I'm not comfortable now. Yes, I don't like it. But it's only because I can't get to a doctor, not because this is who I am now. There's a lot behind the kinds of dreams that we have. 
I have a friend that's blind. She was not blind all her life. She became pretty much, she she has um, RP, which means that the um, peripheral, you don't have any peripheral vision, but your eye vision gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So she can like see through the width of a small straw, you know, the ones that you stir your drinks with, not the ones that we drink with. And so she can see now in like the brightest daylight she can see through like that width of a straw if she really kind of can get in there and focus. And so she used to cut hair for a living. And then when she was pregnant with her first child, who's now 16, we were both sitting on a couch talking and she had a stroke, but we did not know that she was having a stroke because strokes are super interesting. They're subtle. They kind of come like a, a an earthquake. Some of them are huge earthquakes where the whole body will go. And other times they're just like these little tremors. And she was sitting there and she said, wow, everything just felt dizzy for a minute and blurry for a minute. And it, and it went away. So we did not know. But later on when she went to the doctor, they, they realized she had had a stroke and she knew exactly when that happened. She knew it was a weird feeling. And go again, going back to our instinct, that was off. It wasn't just a dizzy spell. It wasn't just anything. She wasn't moving. And that happened. So when that happened, it accelerated the the blindness. It accelerated. It made that hole shrink a little more. She used to have a bigger circumference. And she realized she couldn't even see close enough anymore to, to cut hair. I mean, she used to be able to feel and see. Now she just the seeing part was gone. So she was never able to go back to to work after she had her daughter and later had a son and now he's like 14 and, you know, life goes on, right? But it segued her into being able to be home with her children. And as a blind woman, she raised two kids. She memorized her house. She still does wash. She does dishes. She cooks. And as long as she's in her home, she knows. And if you did not know she couldn't see, you would not know she couldn't see when she's at home. It's actually a very beautiful story. But one day, she said to me, I know they're going to find a way for people with RP to see again. And I said, I think they will because I, I... took a super active part with her and I went to like the Irvine's um, stem cell and I went through a whole day of stem cell education and they take you through these labs and you know I did a lot to help and they went to conventions and you know there's companies that have the information and they just won't share and all this stuff is going on but what did she say to me she said to me when I dream they'll see color I can still see countryside. I'm always driving. Someone's driving me somewhere and taking me and showing me everything. And I knew it's because she has such deep belief and hope for her future. And it's positive. And that's Right here, your husband. Deep inside, he has dreams. 
being whole again, of not feeling pain again. Because my friend feels that she can still see the world when she closes her eyes, ironically, she has the will, the drive, the energy to reach out to others, to talk to them, to teach her children. Her children have no idea that one day they're going to leave their homes, their home, and say, my, mind, my mom was blind. My mom taught me to cook. My mom taught me to clean. It's weird. I, I didn't really feel she was blind. I remember when she first had to start carrying the stick because now, you know, to feel her way around when she leaves the house. And I remember what a big mental leap that was because before it kind of was undetected. No one would know. And now, you know, it's it's out in the open. You just can't see. She went to a... Um, like in in Malibu, California, they had a camp for people with RP, for people who were blind. And they would invite the entire families for a week to stay in cabins and they eat. And, and they were trying to build the community so that these people have friends who also are like them and that they can relate to each other, that the families can visit. So it's a, it's a local thing that happens and then after we had the fires two years ago that place actually burned down so it's not even rebuilt yet so they did not get to go this last summer but not only did they not get to go because of the fire but they were not able to go because of covid so it's like for whatever reasons that was definitely not meant to happen um last year but she said to me you know it's funny Normally, I'm the only blind one in a room, and everyone's talking to me. And now with all these people that are blind, it was actually weird to be around people that we were all the same. She was around people like her. That's how isolating it felt to not feel like you could be like others. And at the same time, it was an attention thing where she she got some attention and she loves the conversation. She loves people. She loves to hear. And she said to me, you know, one of the hardest things about being blind is that I really miss people watching. And I never took for granted that I could see other people as a result. So she taught me to speak in detail about what I see so that she can see it too. She has taught me that. A huge gift. I never once take for granted that I can see or hear or talk. And your husband is looking at what he's going through now as that same energy of, hey, I'm going to really appreciate that I'm going to get to drive. 
And he may not buy a convertible. He may rent one for a day and do that very thing. And do that very thing. Dreams do come true. Sometimes they may not look like the dream, but there's a reason why you remember the parts you remember and throw away what you don't need. It's that deepest instinct in us, the thing that drives us, that just shows up and says, hey, let me, let me help you out here and give you a little bit of this. That's why our dreams are so far-fetched, but then when you really think about them or we discuss them, they don't feel like they're so far away. Now that he saw himself driving a convertible gold-colored car, he has something to shoot for, something to look at, the light in that tunnel. So he has that positive mindset inside of him. Not on the outside trying to be, it's inside. It's part of who he is. You guys, these were beautiful dreams. Even the scary one on the bottom, the Richard Ramirez. But I, I, you know, I'm going to look up as soon as we're done with the show to see if he really did die. He was probably one of the most horrible people I've heard about in my lifetime. But we have that instinct. We have that knowledge of the difference between energies. What's okay and what isn't so you guys i hope you have a great day i'll see you tomorrow on questions friday i love you guys so very much bye bye oh he did pass thank you ali thanks for letting me know have a great day guys bye bye you have been listening to today's daily dose of the i dig your soul podcast to learn more visit www.nadiakhalil.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.